in the beginning, I actually need some help. So, um, and I need to borrow something from one of you. If you have some sunglasses, if you brought sunglasses, can you raise your hand if I could, if I could borrow those sunglasses? Elijah, great. Can you, yeah, can you bring those sunglasses up? That'd be great. Thanks. And I forgot to mention, uh, this is really isn't important to the subject, but uh, Brooke is Caleb's cousin, Caleb and Rachel's cousin. So uh, those are in our church. Thank you, Elijah. Um, I'll, maybe I'll give them back to you. We'll see. All right, what do you think? You're laughing. I mean, what? You don't, you don't think they're good? Although, wait, hold on. They look like they're scratched. Yeah, they're scratched a little bit. You know, Elijah and the green. I don't know if green's really my, my color. I don't think green really matches my shirt, right? So, um, I don't want those sunglasses. Anybody else have sunglasses you would like to loan to me? Anybody, anybody else? All right, so a question. Why did you react like that? When I threw those down, when I didn't treat them with care, why did you, some of you, in fact, uh, Murphy was very, he, he's like, whoa, <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> those really aren't Elijah's sunglasses, okay? Those are some old sunglasses that were lost in our yard. But why do you react like that? Because they weren't, you, in your mind, they were not mine. So in your mind, you thought, man, Pastor David needs to take good care of those because those don't even belong to him. He's just borrowing those sunglasses. There's a word for that. It's called being a good steward. It's stewardship. And all that we have really belongs to God. Who last night spent a few hours generating enough oxygen for you to be able to breathe today? Anybody do that? You spent several hours last night and you were generating in some, I don't even know how you do this, but you generate enough oxygen for yourself. Maybe you did it for your family, but you spent a few hours last night generating oxygen that you could breathe today. Nobody. You know why? Because that belongs to God. And God gives us every breath that we have. Um, you don't own the 24 hours of this day, October 8th of 2023. You don't own those 24 hours. That is something that God has given to us to be a good steward of that time. All that we have, even my own body, said, no, no, this is my body, is it? Did you, like, fabricate your body? Do you remember back when you weren't a body? When you weren't alive and you, you, know, you did some magical thing that you just kind of like you know, became? No, God gave you your body. You don't even own your body. So we were stewards of everything. So even as we think about tech in the home, is it a threat or a tool? Uh, we looked at last week, well, it's a worship issue. So who are you going to seek first? Who's going to be first in your life? What is the priority? So it is a worship issue. It's also a relationship issue. God has put us into the world, not on an island alone, not to just do whatever we like, but he has put us in connection with other people. It may be a family. It may be a church family. Certainly, as you are involved in a community, in a city, but we, it is a relationship issue. But today, I want to pick up and, and kind of carry on. It is a stewardship issue. As we think about tech in the home, as you think about tech and how you use that, there are a lot of aspects that this is a stewardship issue. First of all, a stewardship of priorities. We make decisions every day. You made decisions this morning on when to get up. You know, do I sleep a little bit longer or do I have a little bit more time to do my hair and brush my teeth and maybe eat breakfast? And you made a priority decision. We make decisions all day long. 
Those daily decisions form habits. Those habits then begin to be, become our character. But there are priorities that we choose. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus made it very clear what our top priority should be. It's not a job. It's not an educational pursuit. Um, it's not even family. Wow. It's not even a wife. Not even children. Notice Matthew 6. 33. It should be on the screen, but also if you want to follow along in uh, your Bibles or on uh, your Bible app, feel free to do that. Max, Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then the verse that we all said together, 1 Corinthians 10.31, um, and now it, this, these are the right words. So let's say it again, alright? Let's say the reference verse and the reference again. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10.31 so, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There will be many priority decisions on how we use the tech that God has given us. It has given to our culture in this time uh, in the world. It would be a stewardship of priorities. But also it would be a stewardship of your communication. Often, many of those devices we use to communicate. Sometimes it's by verbal over a, a message or a call. Sometimes it's using our fingers and emailing or sending a text. But we will communicate. We even communicate through emojis. Uh, I, and I, I'll be honest with you and just give you a little bit of background. Those who uh, maybe don't understand why sometimes I include an emoji in a text, I was uh, uh, shaped by the Brazilian culture. In Brazil, and Juan laughs, in Brazil, when a message is sent, if it doesn't have an emoji, I mean, it's just like not a, it's not a good text message. I mean, you send, you know, like a hug emoji, you send a smile emoji, you send a clap emoji, you send a party emoji. So I've kind of been shaped by that, that you're communicating through emojis. In fact, Christina has saved in her phone, a lot of her contacts has the name, and then it has like emojis that describe that person. And so sometimes I'll see, you know, in my phone, in her phone, I'm, you know, dad, and then it's got a bunch of other things. So like, oh, that's who I am. Okay. But we communicate in a lot of different ways using tech. Notice what Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37 instructs us of how we need to think about this and why this is so important. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? And this is a verse that we looked at again last week. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And really, we can, we can understand this to include not just our verbal communication, but out of the abundance of the heart, any type of communication that comes out, it's, it's coming from our heart. We may text it, we may do a, you know, do a voice message, we may email it, but that is coming from our heart. The pictures that we send, the reactions that we do on people's posts, all of these things are out of the abundance of the heart. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account, notice this, for every careless word they speak for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned now, I want to make very clear here this is not a teaching in all of the New Testament even uh, throughout the Old Testament that this is not a teaching in any way 
that God is going to weigh our words and decide, did you say more good or more bad? And that's going to uh, depend or determine whether we go to heaven or hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. But there will be an accountability for that. Believers, we, we understand and believe with all of our heart that because we know Jesus Christ, His righteousness has covered our sins. There will be no condemnation for us. However, we can lose gifts. And depending on the careless words that we speak, the careless text uh, that we send, the, the, the not well thought out emails, uh, the, the, the strife filled uh, uh, online debates maybe that we have that are not Christ honoring, all of those things, as believers, we must understand there will be an accountability for that. And though we will not lose our salvation, thank God for that, we very well could lose rewards. Every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Notice Romans 10 and verse 10, it says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and, and is saved. So in a very literal sense, those who are unbelievers, those who, when they, you know, in, in their lifetime, the chance and the opportunities that God gives them, if they never come to the point where they humbly recognize that they are sinners in need of Jesus Christ, His forgiveness and His redemption, and confess that with their mouth, believe it in their heart, biblically, they will, in essence, be condemned because of that, and not a belief in Jesus. Romans 15, 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Notice what Paul says, by word and deed. Paul understands the importance of even what he says. And may we, even as believers, understand that what we say, what we text, how we email, how we respond, all of these things were being a good or bad steward of the communication opportunities that God gives us. Next, we see that it is a stewardship of God's gifts. Stewardship of God's gifts. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with what? With everything, and then what's the purpose? To enjoy. There are a lot of gifts that God gives us. And those gifts are for our enjoyment. But because we live in a fallen world, because we are fallen ourselves and sinful, then oftentimes, unfortunately, we can take good gifts and corrupt them and use them in bad ways and abuse them and not bring glory to God in all that we do. But we see that we should receive these things as gifts of God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The next verse. They are, that is, those who are rich, those who have these, these gifts and these riches, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And then notice this qualifying statement at the very end. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul is saying, listen, riches in and of themselves is not, are not sinful, but you need to challenge those who are riches in a couple of ways. One, that they not trust in those. 
that they receive those and view those as good gifts that God has given for them to enjoy, but then also for them to, to share and to maximize and to be good stewards of that. And only in doing that will those who are rich and those who receive those gifts really understand what life is all about. And in a broader sense, we, we are rich in a lot of ways in the United States of America. We have been blessed in so many different ways, uh, whether it be your car, whether it be the clothes on your back, whether it be where you live, whether it be the tech devices that you have, and I say devices, plural, that most of us have in, in our homes and maybe even on your person, but we are blessed in so many ways, and the question is this, do you put your trust in those? Is that what defines your identity? Is that what brings you a fulfillment in life? Or do you see those things as these are things that God has given me. I want to maximize those for, for his glory. I want to be able to share those, use them for good, the passage says. And in doing that, I'll understand what true life is all about. It's a stewardship of God's gifts. Not only, you know, it's not only America, but there's other, you know, affluent uh, societies that have been uh, so blessed with, you know, a lot of different things. And as God's given me opportunity to travel to different areas, I've been reminded of that. I don't think, you know, for a long time, I'll, I won't say I'll never forget because at some point when I'm older, I might. But uh, I won't think for, I'll forget for a long time being in a country, staying in a home, where the family had put in their home, had, had, had installed a, what they called an American toilet because the missionary in that area would often go and stay in that home, so they installed an American toilet uh, just out of you know, kindness for the American missionary and even supplied some toilet paper. How about that? But as we went and stayed at that home with the missionary, I'll never forget having, you know, the missionary said, you may want to bring some extra rolls of toilet paper because although there's an American toilet in this home, there aren't in many of the other areas that we'll be visiting and often there's not toilet paper to use. So you may want to just take some, you know, with you. So we had extra toilet paper. And I'll never forget having a roll of toilet paper out kind of near my stuff and the young boy from that family comes in and he goes, what is that? I'm like, uh, it's toilet paper. But he was complete. He didn't understand. He didn't know. He didn't know what that was. And that is a some some modern technology in a sense. And we're so blessed in so many ways. May we use that. May we understand that these are gifts. The tech that we have, the money that we have, the homes that we enjoy, the places that we can go are all gifts to be used for his glory. Not to be hoarded, not to be used on selfish means, certainly not to tear other people down, others that are made in God's image. We're to be good stewards of God's gifts. And then this last one is probably one of the biggest areas that we offend or that we break our stewardship with God, a stewardship of time. A stewardship of time. As I mentioned in the beginning, none of you own the 24 hours that we consider as October 8th, 2023. None of you can add one, two, five, six hours to that time. So we only have every one of us, it doesn't matter <clears throat> if you hold the elitist position in the richest company in Metro Atlanta or whatever you do or you're just a kindergartner, it doesn't, you still have 24 hours. No one can add to that. So that is the time that we have to either be good stewards of the time that God has given us or bad stewards. We see in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, 
Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then what comes next? Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God gives us opportunities. God puts people in our path. God gives each one of you abilities. Those of you who are followers of Christ, you have at least one spiritual gift, perhaps more, but at least you have one. And God wants you to use those things with the 24 hours that he gives you in each day, the seven days each week, the 365 days a year for his glory. And it says, be careful how you walk. Think about how wisely you're using your time. Notice how James puts it in James chapter 4, 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. A stewardship of time. Now, I want you to think a little bit through with me a a very simple mathematical equation in truth. And I think this is a fairly conservative estimate. I don't think we're being absurd about this. So let's imagine that a three-year-old begins to spend two hours a day on kind of meaningless consumption of videos, of video games, of pictures, of movies, or whatever. Two hours a day. Is that easy to do, to waste two hours on our tech devices? Most of you are nodding your head. It is. So two hours a day, a three-year-old, let's imagine that that three-year-old lives until he or she is 83. It's possible. It's not, not absurd to think about that. That's 80 years. If an individual is spending just two hours a day, two out of 24, spending two hours a day for 80 years continues that pattern on meaningless stuff. The the content may change. Instead of cartoons, a teenager may spend a lot more time on social media. And and that that may change as people get older and have different phases of life. But if two hours a day is being spent on meaningless stuff for 80 years, that is six and a half years years of an individual's life six and a half years how many have given thought to how you're going to spend the rest of 2023 you've got some things on your calendar you've talked with your family you've maybe talked with some friends you've scheduled some things and you've put some thought into this is how I'm going to spend at least part of my time in the rest of 2023 would you raise your hand it's very common If you come into our home, and many of you have, you'll see a big glass calendar right as you walk in the door. And we have things on there, Michael's soccer game, you know, Mary's volleyball game, uh, community group. And we have all these things, Christina and Honduras, and we've got them all on the calendar. And we think through, how are we going to spend our time? What are some things that are coming ahead? But yet many, I, I would say multitudes of people put very little thought And really don't even consider that this meaningless time that's maybe even only two hours a day, but day after day after day and year after year could amount to six plus years of an individual's life. And God says, we're going to give an account for that. How have you spent your time for God? Especially believers, especially followers of Christ. 
is that the wisest way to spend six and a half years of your life? Now, I'm not saying, and we're going to see this in a little bit, I'm not saying condemn it all and throw everything out. God can use technology, and part of that is for our enjoyment. We can enjoy some things that, that may seem you know, somewhat neutral, somewhat meaningless, but how much time do we spend in that? We, we, aren't, um, we do try to eat healthy, but we're, I don't think that we're crazy about that. So we allow our kids to eat some things that are not quite so uh, nutritional. Nutella is one of them. Uh, and we have to be careful about this because too much Nutella can be consumed in our house by some of our family members if we're not careful. And, uh, you know, big spoonfuls are like, whoosh, like, oh, oh, back. But imagine if we just said, yeah, go for it. You want it for supper? Sure. Breakfast, you know, bre- oh, yeah, go ahead. Chip, Doritos for lunch? Yeah. Eat them up for the next 80 years. Trees are great sometimes. Nutella is good for sometimes, but it's not a great menu. It's not a great diet for you to really grow on. And the same thing is true with our tech use. We need to be careful. Is this helping me to grow in Christ? We need to have a good stewardship of time. A couple things we looked at in growth groups last week um, that we're going to kind of skip past because we've already covered this, but why is this issue so important? Everyone is affected by technology. No one in this room can say, hey, I'm not. The fact that you're here, we have lights, we have a, 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 you know, a keyboard, you probably have a phone on you. Um, there, there are many ways that your life has already been affected by technology today. Everyone will be affected. Secondly, everyone will make spiritual decisions about technology. We looked at that in more detail last week. Everyone is a target of technology. And we looked again last week during growth groups how many of the big tech companies want to monetize your use. They want you to spend more and more and more time. In fact, one of the, uh, I think he was a former CEO of Pinterest, made that statement in the, in the movie Social Dilemma, the documentary. The idea was how much time can we get you to spend on this app? How much of your life, and this is a question he said, how much of your life can we get you to give to us? Six years? Eight years? Ten years of your lifetime? How much of your life? Because we want as much as we possibly can to sell your time and your, what you may future do to advertisers who want to buy our time. A stewardship of time. Everyone's a target of technology. Now notice this next. How could you respond to the tech threat? Wow. Okay, Pastor David, we understand. We, we feel a little bit overwhelmed, in fact, by, by how we're uh, you know, kind of experiencing this tech takeover. In all the a- aspects of life and facets of technology, how should we or how could you respond to the tech threat? Next Sunday, we're going to look at how should you respond, but what are some possible ways to respond to this? The first thing is condemn it. Man, condemn it. I remember as a teenager, I had a, a budding lawn business. I came up with a very original name for this lawn business, David's Lawn Care. So I went around my neighborhood and I said, hey, I'm willing to cut your grass and I'd love to give you an estimate. You know, can I, can I give you an estimate? And uh, it, it, towards the end of my high school, uh, technology was advancing. AOL came out with, you know, you got mail. Get that? And so I mentioned that to, to somebody I was giving an estimate for, and I, I can still picture it today. He, looked, he stood there in the door, and he said, I ain't never going to get one of those things. I've got a pencil and paper, and that's all I need. 
I'm like, well, you go for it, man. All right, that's good. But some people think, no, I'm just going to condemn it. Notice the next slide here. What comes to mind? Yeah. How many of you have visited Amish country? It's beautiful, is it not? There's a lot of things that, that we could, you know, aspire as we, as we go through the, the lush, uh, you know, farm fields. And, and uh, we, we were in Pennsylvania, went to Hershey, Pennsylvania years back and enjoyed a few days, kind of a family reunion, and enjoyed that. We rode on a horse and buggy and, and enjoyed that experience. But the Amish in large part, and it depends on kind of what order, if you're the old order Amish or the new order Amish, but uh, in large part, the Amish people have decided, hey, this, we are going to greatly restrict modern technology. But even in the Amish community, there's difficulty in doing that. So as we were visiting Hershey, Pennsylvania and visited some of the farms and we went to one area and this, you know, this uh, Amish man was making something and lo and behold, he was holding a DeWalt cordless screwdriver. Hmm. So my older brother, Stephen, six years older than I am, he's not embarrassed by anybody. He'll ask any question that comes to mind. If you, you, some of you have met him, may know that. But Stephen pretty, much, pretty quickly piped up and he says, hey, sir. How do you charge your DeWalt cordless screwdriver? And the guy says, and he got a grin. The Amish guy got a grin. He says, well, I use my diesel engine on my tractor that generates electricity to charge my cordless DeWalt equipment. And Stephen was like, okay, all right. Fans that were run in stores by, by pneumatic and hydraulic ways. And they, they come up with creative ways to, to still do some things. And there's some phenomenal businesses that the Amish people have in, in trying to adapt without using a lot of the modern technology. Um, they, many of them will not have a phone in their home. But they can have one out in the barn or out in a phone shack. Many of them do not feel that it's right to own a car, but they can get a ride in a car and even ride on a plane, but they shouldn't just own one. And the the common idea is we don't want to be so connected and so dependent on modern technology that it begins to destroy our faith. So is that the idea? I mean, their population is growing. The last five years has grown by 50,000 people. Probably, if that trend continues to grow in the next 15 years, it's going to end up being about a half of million, 500,000 Amish people. Is that the, is that the choice, to, to condemn it? Well, uh, I don't think that we see that biblically. The second thing, many would say, okay, I, I can't condemn it. I mean, we're in this world, and, and we're going to work, we're going to live, there's school, and, and, and we just really can't get away from it. So, unfortunately... Many times the attitude is, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Dive all in. I mean, okay, I I can't really do without it. I can't really live a a normal life, as many of us would consider, without technology. So many then just say, let's jump head in. First thing that we see, and this isn't necessarily in order of sequence, but just things of ways that modern technology can bring corruption. First thing is passive living. Passive living. If you would give me a bag of honey mustard pretzels, I enjoy those. 
a glass of sweet tea with lemon or lime, and a comfortable sofa, notice and listen to all that I can do from the comforts of my climate-controlled home. I can be a soldier and fight against fierce enemies. I can drive a race car at deathly speeds. I can weave around players with some amazing footwork on a soccer field. I can try my hand as an NFL quarterback. I can spike a volleyball, which I don't do well in real life. I can throw a counterpunch in a boxing ring. Um, and if, I, if sports isn't really my thing, well, then I can go fishing uh, like Logan likes to do, you know, personally, and Josh as well, or Dan. But I could do it even from my, from my couch. I could go fishing. I could visit the famous cities of the world. I can hike up to some of the tallest mountains and never break a sweat. It's passive living. Are all of those things sinful? No, I'm not saying all those things are sinful. I enjoy looking at pictures of places that I can't necessarily go and visit, But if all of those things begin to keep me more and more and more just in my home and on my couch or in my office and on my devices, then something's wrong. Now, now get it. This is not just a a new problem. I enjoy, and some of you have been in our home and maybe even in in my car, know that I love air conditioning. I, I greatly, I'm, that is a gift of God. Whether you believe it or not, that is a gift of God. We, air conditioning has been around for a long time. But when air conditioning was invented, this problem began to happen because as people began to be able to go into their home, enjoy a climate-controlled atmosphere, the windows were shut, the doors were shut, less people were out on the street, and less communication, not as many kids playing on the neighborhood street because it's too hot, and it's just, you know, I just get exhausted. And so more and more people are going inside. That was with the invention of the air conditioning. All of us well, I shouldn't say. I, I, maybe I don't know. But I think all of us were born in the age of air conditioning, okay? Not all of us were born in the age of all the tech that we have today. So it's more accessible. There's more opportunities. There's greater and greater things and more uh, realistic things that we can do. And it can lead to passive living. We're seeing some of the devastating effects of that. Maybe, could it be that this passive living is in part the reason that many, many more teenagers are not getting their driver's license? I'm not saying you have to get your driver's license, but is that maybe in part? Maybe they are so consumed with, no, I just want to play video games. I don't want to drive anywhere. Work? Play sports? That's too tough. Let me just do it on the computer. Could it be that that's why there's such a shortage of workers? Especially work that's physical labor of the tradesmen that, man, weld, be a mechanic, be a painter. Man, that's hard work. I mean, that's like sweat. I mean, like you get dirty. Yeah. Yeah, there's great reward for a lot of those things. Passive living. Could it be that that's one of the reasons why our nation is certainly, there's a lot of obesity over 30%, almost 36% would be considered obese. Could this be a reason That we're giving in to just passive, passive living. Working in in ministry and youth and vacation Bible schools and things like that. How many kids have told me, Pastor David, I don't want to do that. It's just so hot. I'm just really tired. My legs are sore. Okay, run! Do something! I mean, you know, be active. And not everybody's an athlete. And everybody doesn't have to be an athlete. But think about being active or do you have initiative do you do you have responsibility are you helping out with things around the house um, husbands are you a team with your wife 
Or at night, you let her do everything with the family, the kitchen, and the kids, and you steal away to play online video games for a couple hours with your buddies who may be all across the world. Is that sinful in of itself? No, I'm not saying that it's, you can never play that, you can never do that, but are you shirking some of the responsibilities that you have to just be passive and sometimes to choose to be selfish? Notice what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good description. Oh, I just can't even, I just can't even do it. The picture I get is sometimes of a kid unloading the dishwasher. Oh, I just can't even get this out. Dad, you want me to do this again? Yes. It's like work involved. It's amazing. It's rewarding. It's part of being a family. It's part of like using energy that God's given you. So we see that He wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The next verse, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Then Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Rendering service, Ephesians 6, 7, with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Sometimes the thought process is this. Well, pastor, the new wave is tech, so I want my kids to learn that. Great! Have them learn that and how to be a hard worker at the same time. All of those things are great. Just because somebody may sit behind a desk for a good part of their, of their profession doesn't mean they, don't, they shouldn't know how to work and, and do manual labor. They're both good, good things to learn. So don't trade one or the other. We need to, to have initiative. We need to do everything that we do for God and for his service. Notice the second thing uh, before we have a uh, fellowship break. Distracted living. Distracted living. So not only passive living, but an abuse or a corruption of modern tech in our home can lead to distracted living. An extreme example of this, you'll see on the screen, on the screen distracted driving kills. Notice the next one. All right, that comes a little bit closer to home. You know, the hands-free laws and all these things and distracted driving kills, you know, digital sign. Okay, but then when you see a picture of, you know, a a mom, a person, and then this, you know, the next one, choose living, not looking. So in a very extreme case, we understand in our modern culture that it's very easy for all of us, it's a, it's a huge temptation, or I'd la- at least to say most of us, I know it is for me, it's very easy for me to be distracted even while I'm driving, feet away sometimes, only separated by some paint on a road, and sometimes I'm tempted to drive and then pull up my phone and sometimes even tempted to respond to a text. I'm so distracted that sometimes that means I am not caring, I am not showing really love for flesh and blood that's whipping by me at 50, 60, sometimes 70 miles an hour. So, okay, great. 2021, over 400 people died in texting and driving-related accidents. It's more than one person per day. Totally could have been avoided. 48 out of 50 states have banned texting and driving. This message is not about 
not texting and driving, but it is about thinking, in how many other ways do you live distracted with flesh and blood that are all around you? We do it on the roads. Do we do it in our homes? Do we do it at school? Do we do it at work? Do we do it at church? Do we live in a distracted way? Matthew 22, 39 and 40 says this. The first commandment we looked at last week, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second greatest commandment, Jesus says in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Christ tells us that to love our neighbor as ourself is the second most important commandment in his word. Modern tech can lead us to not do that and to live in a distracted way. You know, if you doubt this, next time you go out to eat in a restaurant, just look around and see how many people are distracted sitting across the table from one another. Yesterday at Michael's soccer game, some siblings of another player on his team spent the majority of the game not watching their brother play, but glued to an iPad watching who knows what for their two plus hours a day, I guess. And I thought, how sad. Encourage them to watch their brother play, to cheer for their brother. I mean, this is, this is a family thing. Why sit in a beautiful weather, sunny, gorgeous day and glued to an iPad for a couple hours when you could be watching your brother cheering and enjoy something as a family? As college students, KSU, next time, and FPD students and all other students, especially the older ones who are allowed to have phones in the class, think with me the next time you go into a class and notice how many other students are on their phones as you walk in. Maybe have their earbuds in. How difficult is it for you to have a conversation, for you to engage, for you to actually not be distracted when so many of us, and everywhere we go, we have our phones, sometimes even our our earbuds, and we're showing in in some ways, I'm not really open for communication right now. I'm distracted. A a quote by... um, Tony Ranke, and the, these books will be available next Sunday just on a donation basis. It's a really good resource. Uh, he's not inspired by God, but he is a, a parent, um, and he's included a lot of even theology and theological principles in this book, 12 Ways That Your Phone Is Changing. But notice some of the insight that he has. God has called us to love our neighbors, yet we turn to our phones to withdraw from our neighbors and to let everyone know we'd rather be somewhere else. Next, my phone can connect me to many friends, but it can also decouple me from an expectation for a real-life engagement. When I go into my social media streams, too often I use Facebook to insulate me from the real needs of my friends because it's so easy just to boop. Oh, wow. They had a house fire? Oh, man, that's sad. Oh, goodness. They're in the hospital? Man, boom. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Are you concerned? Are, do you, are you engaged with real-life relationships where you will actually be motivated to do something and to share and to pray and call and talk and provide a meal and sit with someone and, and engage in ways that have real-life effects? Next, he says, Facebook becomes a safe and sanitized room where I can watch the ups and downs of others as an anonymous spectator with no compulsive, imp- with no compulsive impulse to respond and care in any meaningful way. Second John 12, notice what John says in his day. He didn't have any iPhones, he didn't have any tablets, he didn't have any laptops, but notice what he says. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. 
Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Paper and ink was kind of like the tech of their day. But he says, you know, I, I would much rather, even though I'm writing to you, I can't wait until I can be with you in person. And I pray and I challenge that you would use individually and as a family and as a church family that we would use tech in such a way that would encourage the flourishing of real life relationships. Tech can be a part of that, but it should not be exclusive. We're not going to have good relationships only virtually. It's impossible. It's not how God designed us. Romans 15.32, Paul says, So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. And then 2 Timothy 1.4, As I remember your tears, I long to see, see you that I may be filled with joy. Next couple slides, just a kind of a visual. Sometimes we can show, hey, we're open for communication. We want to engage with you. Or maybe like the next sign, we could, by our body language, by having the phone in front of our face, by having earbuds in, again, all those things are not sinful, but how often do we portray to others flesh and blood that God has put around us that we portray this message, hey, sorry, I'm closed right now. Don't bother me. I'm somewhere else. I'm doing something else. Notice in closing, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Christ is the perfect example of someone who lives a focused and intentional and an undistracted life. And because he did, many of us in this room can claim and call him as our Savior. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything... Who? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Hebrews, we see a rich, rich passage. Don't miss this. Hebrews 12, 2, as I'm going to say it to you, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He was focused he was undistracted. He came to fulfill the redemptive role as Messiah, as Savior. And he came, he suffered, he, he, he was uh, uh, rejected many times, he was misunderstood, he was misquoted, he was uh, uh, betrayed by one who he deeply loved, but yet he was undistracted. And because of that, he endured and he gave his life on the cross. As we sang this morning, he was unstoppable. He conquered death and sin died, buried, and was rose again so that he could offer to you and to me the free gift of salvation and redemption in him. Would you close your eyes as we pray this morning?